from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Take us back. What happened? Oh, it was amazing. So we have a video of this. Uh, my husband, Bill, brought her up with our youngest son, Aiden, and they were coming through the parking lot. And she was just hearing my voice and seeing my face. She was, I mean, she was barely, her paws were barely on the floor. It's almost contagious when they come in and they're just bounding in. They're so happy to see you. And they were looking at ways in which we could actually partner with them. And one way we know is that pets and people are better together. Hmm. I'm Sarah Fenske. St. Louis Children's Hospital offers a service boasted by just three other hospitals in the entire world. The Purina Family Pet Center allows families to bring pets to the hospital to visit a loved one, both dogs and even cats. The Purina Family Pet Center is now celebrating its fifth anniversary, and joining us today to tell the story is Sandra Lynn. She's the manager for global pet behavior research at Nelson P- at Nestle Purina. Sandra, welcome. Thank you. Thank and you, we're, Sarah. We're also joined today by Michelle Lane. She's the mother of Gavin, who's a 15-year-old who was a patient at St. Louis Children's Hospital last year. Michelle, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. So, Michelle, your son Gavin stayed at St. Louis Children's after suffering a traumatic brain injury. Take us back to that time. Were you pretty scared? Yeah, it was the most, uh, gosh, terrified I've ever been in my life. It was a situation where we didn't know from minute to minute if he was going to make it. Um, And any curveball that he could put us through, he he absolutely did that. There were, he would go steady and then, you know, something terrible would happen. He'd have a brain bleed. The next week it was a pseudoaneurysm. So it was, it was terrifying because we just, we had no idea and the doctors couldn't tell us, you know, if he would make it through there, and if he did, what, if any, future he would have. And was he conscious for all these sort of ups and downs? He was not. So um, the night of the accident, until they they had him sedated um, in a drug-induced coma, so the brain had time to heal, mm-hmm. um, so it didn't have to worry about telling the body to breathe or do your own temperature, things like that. Um, so he was in a drug-induced coma until, gosh, the end of February, I would say. So a little over a month. Okay, so that's a long time. Terrifying for a mother. Then when he comes out of the coma, was he scared? Did he even have any sense of where he was at that point? So he was still on a lot of medicine when he woke up, and he wasn't able to talk like normal words. He would say things, and he thought he was telling you. He knew exactly what he was saying in his mind, but that's not what was coming out of his mouth. Um, He would say numbers a lot. When he first woke up, it was 11. He would say 11 all the time. Hmm. Um, And he'd say a couple words, and then he would say 11, and then it went to 12. You know, so he wasn't, but we would ask him things familiar, like about his dog. You know, his nurse would say, what color is your dog? What is your dog's name? And he would start to mouth like, buh, for brown, or B for Bella, and little things like that. And he progressed pretty quickly, but uh, he was scared. He would, you know, tears would just stream down, but he didn't have the words. So we just had to, you know, every hour, if not even more than that, just reassure him, you're safe. We're doing everything we can. You're going to be okay. 
And you mentioned his dog, Bella. This was kind of a touchstone for him as he's trying to get reoriented to this new world he's suddenly in. How important was this dog as you're talking to him and, and getting him acclimated? Yeah, so it, it just smile. He would just smile. We would show him pictures of Bella. We would His younger brother, Aiden, and uh, older brother, Devin, were at home and would send videos of the dog so we could show him, you know, because he loved, of course, he loved his dog. And it was so important to him. It would he would just light up when we would talk about her. So when did you realize that you could actually bring Bella to the hospital? He just happened to be at one of the four hospitals in the entire world where you could bring Bella in for a visit. Yeah, such an amazing thing. So we were there during the pandemic, so nothing was happening. Child life at that time wasn't bringing around their dogs until a little later on, and Duo did bring around their dogs. And those um, are like therapy dogs. Yeah, okay. which was amazing as well. But we were in the Ronald McDonald room one night, and we were speaking with one of the managers there, and she's like, you know, we have this program. Let me see if we can open this back up because it's separate from the hospital. Okay. You know, the dog won't be coming in. You won't be, you know, nobody else would be around the dog. And we're like, that sounds great. And so I want to say it was in... Gosh, the end of May, maybe we started that. Okay, so this was a few months into his stay there. And Sandra, I want to turn to you now because, as as Michelle mentioned, this is a separate thing from the hospital, but it's embedded within the hospital. So what is the Purina Family Pet Center? It's a great question, Sarah. So um, five years ago, the uh, St. Louis Children's Hospital approached us as a partnership to could we um, partner with them to build the Purina, what is known today as the Purina Family Pet Center. And it's really on the insight from the St. Louis uh, Children's Hospital team that the emotional well-being of their patients is critical to their recovery. So, and the success of their medical intervention. So they're looking at this and they were looking at ways in which we could actually partner with them. And one way we know is that pets and people are better together. Hmm. So when we looked at this, we said, this is a perfect opportunity to blend our expertise, what we know about um, the healing power of pets. And so specifically, as you heard from Michelle, she's talking about Bella. So, you know, Gavin recognized, even with a brain injury, he recognized his own dog. And so that's a unique relationship that the patients have with their own pets. That bond is special, it's unique. And so being able to create a space in the hospital, but it's still separated, that is going to be designed for both the pets themselves because we need to make sure that when they're coming on site, they're safe and they're also in a emotionally positive state of mind that they're going to behave as they would when they see their family because that's what the patient wants to see. They want to see that their pets are happy to see them. It doesn't help anyone if that dog is having severe anxiety, freaking out, acting out, any of that. Exactly. So the space was designed with this intention in mind. So it's right off, it's, a, it's an area right off uh, the second floor of the, the building, and it's next to the, um, the parking garage. So there is an elimination space for the pet to be able to eliminate before and after. They're, once they're inside, the room is um, s- situated such that there's privacy for the families. Um, and there is light, and it's designed as well for clean walls, clean floors, that we can wash them. Mm. 
But it's also that we're also thinking about it in terms of, again, what the pets need to be feeling comfortable so they can behave as they would at home when they see their young family members. And so keeping that in mind, you know, we have the ability to have toys, the floors or something that's going to be comfortable on their paws, their places for them to jump, to rest. The room is long enough that if the, the patient is able to throw toys, they can actually play because that also is not only that there's the emotional benefit there, but it's also that, you know, some of the things that maybe they're resistant during rehabilitation to do because they're maybe fearful, it's all new, mm-hmm. they're maybe more willing to do it when they're working with their own pets. It's more familiar. Boy, that all makes sense, and it all sounds so good. I'm curious, Michelle, how it worked in reality the first time that Bella was able to come to this family pet center. Take us back. What happened? Oh, it was amazing. So we have a video of this. Uh, My husband, Bill, brought her up with our youngest son, Aiden, and they were coming through the parking lot, and she was just hearing my voice and seeing my face. She was I mean, she was barely, her paws were barely on the floor. She was so excited, and she came in, and she Because saw, you'd been staying at the hospital this whole time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I left the hospital uh, one for one night in the five and a half months we were there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I hadn't been home with her either, which she was not used to, of course. So she made it in that room, and she saw Gavin, and that was it. She ran up to him, and she's trying to smell, what are all these things, you know? She, why is he in this chair? What, what is all, you know? But it was great, it, just the look on his face, and she couldn't have been more excited. And like you'd said, this space was big enough and Catherine from Child Life had brought toys that Purina had donated and Bella wasn't one to play fetch at home. She was like, there's no chance I'm doing this with you. (laughs) But in that room, she recognized, I think, that Gavin wasn't able to get up and play with her. So they had mats for us. We were able to get Gavin on the floor. It was nice and clean. And Bella got there with him and Gavin would throw the ball and she was getting it and bringing back. She learned to play fetch in the Purina room. With Gavin throwing the ball. It was amazing. I mean, that's amazing. And it sounds like for Gavin, you said he had the the look on his face when he first saw her. He knew right away this was his dog. His dog was back. As you're watching him play with her, um, could you see a change in him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that day he was just, he was so excited. Something to look forward to. You know, he's always doing, he was in pretty rigorous therapy. He would go in the morning, break for lunch, have school, go in the afternoon. It was every day, uh, even on the weekends. So this gave him something to look forward to, to see his dog. And he would be excited and tell everybody, get to see my dog today. And it just gave him something familiar with home and to look forward to. And he just, he loved it. So this was the first visit. It sounds like many visits followed from that. (laughs) How frequently did Bella end up coming? Um, So Bella, we, uh, she was weekly. Every Thursday, she would come. And that was something that you really used to keep him motivated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Push him a little bit extra. Hey, if you can go a little bit extra, try this today. Remember, Bella's coming tonight. Like, let's let's really push ourselves today because tonight you're going to be, you know, with your dog. We're talking to Michelle Lane. She's the mother of Gavin, who's 15 years old. He was a patient at St. Louis Children's Hospital last year. We're also joined by Sandra Lynn. She's the manager for Global Pet Behavior Research at Nestle Purina. And we're talking about the Purina Family Pet Center. It's at St. Louis Children's Hospital, one of just four around the world. Um, and it just sounds like just an amazing thing for the patients there at the hospital. Sandra, you mentioned this idea that we're better together when we're there with our pets. Um, I'd like to explore that just a little bit. What do we know about the effect that pets have on our emotional well-being? Okay, great question, Sarah. So um, there's been quite a bit of research, and I would say really started picking up steams in the 80s, and then it's been continuing, where we're really looking, scientists are looking at what are the benefits, and not just emotional, but also what are the potential physiological, physical benefits of interacting with pets? And then in turn, can we develop... um, 
animal intervention programs, either animal-assisted activities, um, animal-assisted therapies, that now are more goal-directed structured and they're going to have a positive benefit on the health or the emotional well-being of, um, of, of, of people. And so for us at, at Purina, this is an area of research for us we think is a very important area because we're seeing the changing roles. We saw with the pandemic last year that as we were asked to socially isolate to make sure that we could come out of this pandemic faster, we needed that emotional support. And so being able to understand how we can do, do better in terms of uh, the getting the benefits from that relationship is, mm-hmm. is very important. Michelle, I'm curious. We've, we've spoken about the effect this had on Gavin, but as you mentioned there, you were spending every night in this hospital, and hospitals are just, they're a hard place to stay, even when you're not yeah. sick, and even when they're doing just a terrific job. It's, it's hard there. What was the effect for you of having Bella back in your life? I loved it. For that hour, it was, you forget you're in the middle of a hospital because it's, it's you're in the hospital but it's a separate room you're not there's no medical things you're not hooked up to anything and you are separated the doors um, have different things on them so you can't see out into the area so you really are in your own space where you can just it's like almost being back at home you're, you're with your family you're with your dog you're playing and you can kind of escape for a minute yeah. from what you have to deal with the other 23 hours of the day. Sandra, hearing about this, hearing Michelle talk about the impact on Gavin, the impact on her, this just seems like such a no-brainer. Why why are there only four hospitals that have these? (laughs) As you said, we're one of four, and we're the only one in the region. Um, But it is, it does, as I mentioned before, it's a multidisciplinary approach towards building these spaces. As Michelle talked about, you know, she's lived in this space, she's seen it. Um, it does require the expertise of animal behaviorists, the doctors themselves, the hospital administrative staff, and, and the resources to maintain it. Mm. One of the nice things that we did, though, when we actually worked with St. Louis Children's Hospital to actually build the Furina Family Pet Center, we published um, in a journal how to actually do this. So if other hospitals are interested in doing this in the future, they have that resource available to them. So we went ahead and shared that knowledge because we think it's important, but it does require resources and commitment on the side of the hospitals. But I think also hospitals have to have their staff that do believe that there is a role for pets in in medical intervention. And they do have a role. They do have a role in terms of supporting the rehabilitation or even the, as, as Michelle mentioned, the mindset of the, the patient during recovery. Do you think more traditional, maybe old school type uh, medical professionals maybe aren't fully aware of that or they just, they don't want to go down this road yet? I, I hope that's not the case because we're starting to see a lot of respected hospitals that are started at least having different types of animal assisted uh, intervention programs, be it animal assisted activities, animal assisted therapy. It's just that um, that, of course, you have more trained uh, dogs and cats or dogs in this particular case that are going to go in those scenarios. But when you're talking about a family pet center, you know, Michelle said it really well. It's about the familiar. Mm -hmm. When you're in treatment, there are so many things that are so new and scary and opportunity for fear and anxiety and resistance to wanting to continue. So if you bring in one of the most familiar positive elements in your life, in your family, your dog or your cat, 
it's almost contagious when they come in and they're just bounding in. They're so happy to see you. It's like yawning. You can't help but respond in the same way back to them to reciprocate. And even though it's not a structured, goal-directed intervention like we do in animal-assisted activities or therapy, again, if you're playing, you might be actually seeing the children are willing to do some of the things that the doctors want them to do, and it's unprompted because this is now more natural. This is how they would behave with their pets. So I do think that hospitals, I think eventually, I hope, my dream is that, you know, we are going to see more of these in the future. Purina is definitely, we, we, are, we are excited if we see this happening more and more in the future. Yeah, I mean, you shared your research. You're hoping people steal yes. this. Are you aware of any hospitals at this point who are working on making a pet center like this happen, even if it's not ready to be um, announced yet? Not at this time, but one of the other uh, facilities, we actually supported that, and it's in Belgium. Oh, wow. So, so you guys are working all yes. over the world on this. Yes. We, 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 we think that this is an animal and the benefits of pets. We should be thinking globally in terms of where our reach is. Something I find myself wondering is just how many families are even using this. It, it seems like something where for some families, they might be like, I don't want to mess with bringing my dog on side, or maybe they're not even staying there long enough. Do you know how many families have been able to avail themselves of the Purina Family Pet yes. Center at, at St. Louis Children's? Yes, since, since the inception, more than 500 families have taken advantage of the opportunity to bring their pets to the St. Louis Children's Hospital. And of course, the stay has to be, um, I believe it's uh, five or seven days longer, but it's usually for patients that are going to be there for several weeks, several months. It doesn't make sense for somebody who's exactly. just there for 48 hours. Exactly. And that 500, uh, 500 families, that's since 2016. So that's, yes. a, that's some pretty good usage exactly. there. Exactly. I imagine, especially during the pandemic when everything was more complicated, you've got a whole year probably of, of somewhat skewed data. But that's, I mean, that's remarkable, 500. Um, well, Michelle, I mean, this just this whole thing, it just sounds so wonderful. And it makes me think about Gavin and how he's doing today. I mean, this sounds like just about the scariest thing that could ever happen. And you guys yeah. were really there just white knuckling it. Um, Bella starts coming. She's coming every week. Did Gavin begin to improve during that time? He did. I mean, it just raised his spirits. You know, we got into the same routine, doing the same things every day. We had no idea when the end was. Um, so... Absolutely. And like you guys had both talked about, you know, it actually helped with therapy. In therapy, he's having to do certain things because they're telling him. And his dog's there. He's reaching. He wants to pet her. He wants to do different things. But it's because he wants to love on his dog, not because he has to for therapy. And it definitely changed his attitude. And he was in a better mood and it gave him something to look forward to. And has he been able to check out? He's no longer a a patient living on site. This Friday will be one year since we have been home. Wow. Yeah. So that's a huge milestone. And he's doing well today. He's doing amazing. Yes, on the road to recovery. Slow and steady, but he's getting there. And I got to ask, how's Bella doing? Oh, my gosh. She is so protective of him. So, you know, he he needs assistance with um, with some things. And whenever we're moving him around or getting near him, she's right there making sure. She's like, okay, <laughs> let me make sure you're okay with Gavin. That's so great. And we, we want to let people know, if you're curious about Bella, this heroic dog, we do have a photo of her on our website. That's STLPR. Michelle Lane, thank you so much for joining us. And we're so glad to hear um, that everything's going so well. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's great to be here. And Sandra Lynn, Manager of Global Pet Behavior Research at Nestle Purina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.
Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.